0: My name is Catherine Tancon, and I will be reading the scriptures today. The scripture today is from Matthew 21, verses one to 11. Listen for the word of God. When they had come near Jerusalem and had reached Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go into the village ahead of you and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt, a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, just say this, the Lord needs them and he will send them immediately. This took place to fulfill what had been spoken through the prophet saying, tell the daughter of Zion, look, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put their cloaks on them and he sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and that followed were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in turmoil, asking, Who is this? The crowds were saying, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee.
1: The Gospel of Christ. Christ. Amen. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength, our rock, and our redeemer. Amen. So today I want to do something a little bit different. Today we're going to host the scripture as usual, but we're gonna look at it through the eyes, the lens of a piece of art, a painting, and we'll get that, get the artist up there. The artist is Peter Koenig, Koenig's a sacred artist who strives to give visual expression to biblical texts, we've used some of his images before, uh, he has this unique style, uh, some of his paintings are more impressionistic or experimental and then others try to situate the biblical story in kind of a modern, modern context. And the one that I want to talk about today is his painting of Palm Sunday. As you can see, very contemporary style. I mean, I like Jesus' slick, white summer suit that he's wearing on uh, on there. And yet, you can, even though it looks more modern, you can see that it's got most of the biblical elements or the elements of the biblical story in there too. So first of all, Jesus, as you can see, is riding the donkey. He had his disciples commandeer in fulfillment of the words of the prophet Zechariah. Zechariah says, tell the daughter of Zion, look, your king is coming to you humble and mounted on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. That's right there in the painting. And then number two, there are huge crowds of various ages cheering Jesus on, waving, singing out the words of the 118th psalm, Blessed is the One who comes in the name of the Lord. We say that on Palm Sunday, but we also say it every time we have communion, and we'll say that later in the service together. And then, number three, the guys in the front, as you can see, they're rolling out a carpet for Jesus, a purple carpet for the donkey to follow. In the scripture, they toss their coats and tree branches on the ground to give Jesus a royal welcome. It's not exactly the same happening here, but it's a similar idea. And again, I like the white uh, greyhound that's at the front. I'm not sure what that's about, but I like it. I like it. Then, last but not least, you have these nice palm trees way off in the background, palms being an ancient Roman and Near Eastern symbol of victory. Again, they're also thrown on the ground to welcome Uh, jesus uh, royally to offer jesus a royal welcome so all the core elements of the original biblical story are there even when he deviates a bit by switching out something ancient for modern he's trying to go for the same idea at least in a modern way and there are a few artistic decisions here some ways that he's interpreted the story that really stick out to me. And let's let's take a look. Let's look at the first the first one there. You can see Jesus has his hands cupped over his entire face. Maybe here Jesus is playing, you know, peekaboo. Hello. Or maybe it's a surprise party like, "Oh my goodness, I can't this for me. You shouldn't have." That's probably not the case. More likely, Jesus is deeply displeased by this whole display. It's so disturbing that he just can't bear to look at it. Now, this is the only painting like this that I know of, other than in the Eastern Christian tradition. There are uh, more humiliated Jesuses in the Eastern tradition of paintings. But in the Western tradition, this is relatively unique. Not to say that in other paintings, Jesus is like smirking or giving off, you know, a toothy smile or something like that. He's usually pretty stoic-faced, kind of neutral about what's going on. But usually, what's happening is a great celebration. I mean, when we, we had a great time belting out Hosanna, loud Hosanna, and waving our palms welcoming Jesus just like they do in the text at the beginning of the story, and it felt like a really good thing when we did it. But here, Jesus has this look of complete disappointment at this whole palm parade on his face. I mean, maybe Koenig should have called it, you know, like Face Palm Sunday. I don't know. Because Jesus, (laughs) somebody just said, oh, brother. Um, I mean, he looks absolutely embarrassed by what's going on. Right? Now, why would Koenig make a decision like this? Why would he portray Jesus in a way that seems to go against the grain of so many other depictions of exactly the same story? Now, let's take a look at another detail that I think is really important to figuring this out. Let's go to the next, next detail here. You can kind of see it there. Yeah. If you look closely at the crowd, you'll see everybody waving flags national flags from the USA to Algeria to Japan to South Africa. No Canada, sadly, but there are, a lot of, there are a lot of flags there. Now, obviously, none of these countries existed circa 33 AD. I mean, Greece, China, Egypt, kind of, sort of, but not really. But none of them had flags like this, and the scripture says that they're waving Branches, so it's a bit of an odd choice to replace them. We replace branches with flags. But the face palm and the flags are connected. As I said, Jesus is riding his donkey to fulfill Zechariah's prophecy regarding the Messiah, the one sent by God to set the world right. A lot of folks assume that this would have been a show of brute strength, brute force on God's part that it was a military parade like any other, that the triumphant king would stride into town like Caesar, toss out the Romans, and take the throne. When a lot of folks saw Jesus parading into town, many of them waved their branches high and proud because they thought that the kingdom would be restored, maybe even for good. And so Koenig has the crowd waving flags because they too think Jesus has something to do with state interests, with national revival, they figure that Jesus is riding and carrying their flags, and that he's going to make God's people great again. And what's so wrong with flags, really? I mean, love of country isn't a bad thing. Patriotism isn't a bad thing. A sense of affinity for one's culture, one's language, one's geographic locale It's kind of fashionable to mock these things as primitive or out of fashion sentiments. But none of them are wrong in of themselves. After all, the earliest days of the Jesus Movement was a multiracial, multiethnic community with the Apostle Paul spending a lot of time navigating the cultural differences between Jews and Gentiles while making it clear that neither had to give their culture up for the sake of the other's culture. That said, it's easy to confuse the kingdoms of this world with God and God's kingdom. There are countless examples of this at work in history, crusades, conquistadors. Even today, there are plenty of Christians who, though sometimes well-meaning, greet Jesus waving the stars and stripes, confusing country with God's kingdom. That flag's there in the painting, you can see. And even now, the leaders of the Russian Orthodox Church have more or less endorsed the war in Ukraine as a holy war, having thrown their lot in with Vladimir Putin as a defender of so-called Christian culture and civilization against the decadent West. You'll notice the Russian flag is in there, too. But the Canadian flag can just as easily be because closer to the home, the apology to First Nations, issued by the United Church of Canada in 1986, was a confession that we had confused Western ways and culture with the height and breadth and depth of the gospel of Christ. We thought to be Christian and Canadian was exactly the same thing. We thought that Jesus was riding into our lives bearing the same flag. That we lived under and you know this never ends well for anyone jesus covers his face in this painting because it's all a form of what the bible calls idolatry the worship of a false god over the true god i'm reminded of the great humanitarian and historian Albert Schweitzer, who once said that the search for the historical Jesus was like looking down into a well and seeing our own reflection back at us. Somehow, the historical Jesus always has the same concerns and ideas and issues that we do. It's just a reflection. And that's because all of us want a Jesus that is more or less like us, a God that's on board with our own agendas, our own dreams, and our own ambitions, political or otherwise. In the first Palm Sunday parade, they saw reflected in Jesus the image of their own desires for vengeance on their Roman occupiers and a restoration of national glory. We tend to peer down the well and see our brand of politics staring back at us. Just a quick glance of Christian Facebook in response to the latest American mass shooting, is, is, is Exhibit A. But on Palm Sunday, Jesus disassociates himself from all of that with one big hearty face palm. It's far too easy to confuse God's ways with our own, like that great Saint Bob Dylan of Minnesota once sang, you don't ask questions when God's on your side. On Palm Sunday, Jesus rejects all of our attempts to remake him in our image. He has his own agenda. Can I get the next slide? Yeah. There you go. There's one last detail I want to look at in the painting. And Oh, look. What's that? Those kids are hanging from on that lamppost. Why? It's a cross. In the painting, it's just kind of background, like a lamppost. It's furniture. Everybody's oblivious to the fact of its presence, even though it is the final destination for Jesus' parade march into the city. It's where Jesus says, this is where I'm going to go. As I said on Palm Sunday, Jesus rejects all of our agendas, all of our attempts to remake him in our image, but the presence of the cross in this painting points to Jesus' agenda. To Jesus' agenda, which we often find hard to see amongst competing agendas. And Jesus' agenda is to remake us and to remake creation in him as his image, not the other way around. Jesus' agenda is the inauguration of God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. His agenda is the forgiveness of sins and the salvation of the world. His agenda is the granting of eternal life and the healing of creation. This is an agenda we will never arrive on, that will never arrive in our midst on a war horse of worldly power, amassing secular strength, or even grabbing the reins of public policy. This agenda will only come through his own suffering, his own humiliation, and his own death for the sake of the world, which has already been accomplished. Now Jurgen Moltmann, a theologian who I've quoted a few times, once recounted his experience at the World Council of Churches, a gathering of the churches, many churches throughout the world, from every place under the sun. And it was in the 1950s at the height of the Cold War. And during this meeting of the council, many were rightly concerned at the rise of Soviet and Chinese communism, both of which were explicitly atheist and anti-Christian. Many gathered were proclaiming the struggle against communism as a cosmic battle against the devil as a crusade against the enemies of God, and, you know, which, to be honest, I mean, a lot of what they did was evil and devilish. So it's not an entirely a surprise. But Molmann recounts that one bishop from Germany, which had just devastated the world only a decade prior, stood in the heat during the heat of the debate. And once he had a moment to finally interject in the conversation, he spoke an extremely unpopular truth. Christ is not against the communists, he said. Christ is not against the communists. He died for them. Christ is not against the communists. He died for them. Which isn't to say that God wasn't against the Soviet agenda, (laughs) though God certainly was, and God still is. But it was to say that God refuses all of our agendas. He rides to victory under no flag but the cross it was an illustration not only of palm sunday in this painting but also jesus agenda the radical grace of god in jesus christ on the cross that salvation is for all that he died not just for the lovely the healthy and the level headed but he died for sinners, he died for his enemies, our enemies, insert your enemies here. Christ is not against them, but he died for them. He died for our enemies, died even for us, even for you. And Palm Sunday is his victory parade, no doubt, with that salvation destination of ever, never-ending joy. But it's one whose route is running unavoidably through the cross. And if we want to be part of the parade, if we want to be in that number, when the saints go marching in, then we need to learn how to die. We need to die daily to our hatreds. We need to die to the easy mentality of mobs. We need to lay our palm fronds at his feet. Give up all our projects and agendas. We need to put down our flags, whether literal ones or on social media, and take up the cross in its place. Lay down our flags and surrender to the truth, beauty, and goodness of our suffering Savior. Ride on, on. King Jesus. Ride Ride on, no man can hinder you. Ride on and take us with you through our suffering and our shame to the great dawn of eternal life. Amen. Thank you.